They can stick it up their ass. We're not even making any money doing this. Milan fans, you're probably going to be happy to know after a full day of soul searching, uh, I think I know what the answer is here to why Milan are struggling so much in the beginning of the season. They are waiting to announce their ambassador before they actually start playing good football. You know, kind of like how Serie A is waiting for their ambassador before they address the racism situation. <laughs> Let's just turn to that excuse and begin with, begin that Priseria uh, sit down. World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. I'm Frank Ravello, your host. Uh, with me is co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. Uh, yeah, ambassador. That's I think that we're waiting for too. <laughs> Let's just use the. You know what? We're going to play the ambassador card every time something sucks or everything. Something's just horribly wrong that shouldn't be. We'll just use that because hey, that's Serie A seems to try to get away with it. God, they suck. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> that had to be, you know, the, the the UVA PR department is looking at that and saying, man, that's that's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. Oh, and an ambassador, really? You need somebody, you need to hire somebody to tell everyone that racism is bad? And it, that was the exact response in Italian as well. I'm like, you didn't even try. You didn't even try. That's just I give up. I, I just give up. I mean, you know what? I don't even want to – I mean, and I don't want to be ignorant to the racism issue in Italy. I just don't want to talk about it anymore because I don't want it to dominate the headlines because the more I talk about it, the more I glorify the idiots that participate in that behavior. And we have – you know, and it and it just goes in a vicious cycle. Let's talk about the idiots of Syria because they're, they're obviously not focused on that part of the, of the, of the fucked, up, fucked up part of the game. So they're really focused on the piracy in which I, they – they got mad at our top five because we use uh, the clips of their video. I'm like, really? That's that's what you're worried about? You're worried about freaking clips being used as opposed to the real problem that's over there in the league? Get the hell out of here. They can stick it up their ass. We're not even making any money doing this. You know, exactly. we, we, we do this because we love it. We do this because it gives us a platform. It gives us a chance to communicate with cal- fellow Calcio fans, which we appreciate doing each and every week. you got bigger problems than little guys like us, you know, grabbing your clips and putting up videos. So. Um, you know, ad- address the bigger problems first. Address the, bi- the problems that everybody just looks at you and say, really? Come on now. Um, so, you know, so maybe we should get an ambassador, Richard. Should we should get <laughs> We should. <laughs> what do you think? We should. <laughs> so, so I, I, I mean, Mark Neal, whenever he wants to come around and start talking Calcio again, I think that, that he, he's, our, he's our most frequent guest. So that, that could be, he could be our ambassador. So, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, we can have... We can, have, you know, and that'll be a good way to get Mark back into the mix. So, all right, enough of that. I mean, I just first of all, good on, uh, first of all, good on the Roma folks for calling that out. Yes. Uh, then, if everybody's not aware, there's an incident: a uh, a Roma fan making some very racist remarks toward Juan Jesus, uh, which uh, Roma's social media folks got in front of and said, "Hey, we 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 don't condone this. We don't allow this. This ain't happening." So, uh, banned for uh, life. This is. 
you're yeah, you're banned for life. You're not you're not speaking for us. You're not uh, you're not true Roman true Romanisti. So good on them. And then you know subsequently it, that's when Serie A stepped in. Yeah, good for you. We're just waiting for an ambassador before we can start addressing all of this. Jesus Christ. I <laughs> it's just you know uh, the, the 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 dumb fuckery of Serie A just never ceases to amaze me. Every time you think they do something. Every, stupid. They come back and they say, "Hey, hold my beer. This one's even better." Yep. So oh, speaking. Of, yeah. So, all right. So what we're gonna do in this edition is we're just gonna rip right through all ten games here with the uh, with the goals, and then we'll have our comments about each of the games. Uh, we'll have a preview of what's gonna take place in the UEFA Champions League this week, match day two, match day two of the Europa League on Thursday, and then get uh, get ourselves ready for Inter and Juventus. Uh, the Derby d'Italia, the top two teams in Serie A, uh, going to duke it out here this coming weekend. So um, certainly looking forward to that. Um, without further ado, uh, let's get into the uh, highlights. And everything began uh, on Saturday with the champions hosting Spall, winning 2-0. Uh, both goals are goal of the week candidates. Uh, Mirlan Pjanic with a beauty in the 45th minute right before halftime. Cristiano Ronaldo from Paulo Dybala. Who says that can't work? Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful setup by Dybala to Ronaldo, and he uh, he does what he does and scores goals like like it's going out of style. 2-0 for the old lady. See, they can keep clean shits under Saudi. Uh, Sampdoria 1, Inter 3. Stefano Sensi's at it again. Uh, another nice goal. Goal will be candidate in the 20th minute. Alexis Sanchez at it again in the 22nd minute. Uh, well, his, you know, added again in relative terms of his ability to score goals throughout his career. Uh, also added again uh, with the simulating, and uh, <laughs> this particular referee didn't like it and sent him off for it. So, uh, Jakob Yankto in the 55th minute, and then Roberto Gagliardini in the 61st. Inter perfect through six. Uh, Saturday wrapped up with Atalanta doing Atalanta things and doing them to Sassuolo. Uh, 4-1 the final there at the Mape. Uh, Papu Gomez, uh, way to step up as captain for Team Serie A, sit down in the Fanta Calcio. We needed it. Uh, goal of the week candidates in both the 6th and 29th minutes for him. Robin Hosens in the 13th minute. Duvan Zapata in the 35th. Gregoire de Frel in the 62nd as a consolation for the Nero Verdi. Uh, Sunday's action began with Napoli beating Brescia by two goals to one. Uh, Dries Mertens in the 13th minute. Manolas uh, in the fourth minute of stoppage time of the first half. And a Mario Balotelli appearance in the 67th minute, Richard, as a consolation for Brescia. Yeah, it was a nice goal by Balotelli. Um, Tonali had a goal earlier that was taken away from him. Very nice strike. If it, were, if it, if it counted, it would have been a goal week Kennedy. But uh, Balotelli got up there and got, his, got on the head. Uh, scored a scored a wonderful, powerful header there, and uh, it, Brescia needed it. He needs it to get off the schneid. Really, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Yep, it wasn't a free kick or a penalty kick, which we know Balotelli is capable of just standing around on a pitch and picking his ass until one of those things come up where he can try to pretend that he's actually good at football in those cases. <laughs> so that happened, and uh, Napoli got the two-one win. Lazio four, Genoa nil, and uh, this probably could have been a lot worse than four nil. Sergei in the seventh, uh, Radu in the fortieth. Uh, Sergei's a goal of the week candidate. Uh, Felipe Caicedo in the 59th, Chiro Immobile in the 78th after getting played in beautifully um, by Luis Felipe, of all people, um, doing some individual dribbling from the center back position. Uh, Lecce nil, Roma won. That man, Aiden Jekyll, again in the 56th. Um, not a whole lot to speak about beyond that. Uh, Roma 
was firmly in control of this game. Uh, Lecce produced some dangerous chances. That Mancosa is looking the part, by the way, Richard. He is. I like him a lot. He's uh, he's got yes, he got a lot of penalty goals this year, but he's also got some uh, quality opportunities in this game as well. He almost scored, just hit the side netting. So uh, Roma escaped in this one. Yeah, nonetheless, Roma did prevail. Udinese won, Bologna nil. Uh, Stefano Okaka, goal of the week candidate. Uh, in the 27th minute, uh, Roberto Soriano sees red for Bologna. Uh, Cagliari won, Hellas Verona won. Uh, Cas- Lucas Castro on a goal that, let's face it, that was meant to be a cross. Um, nobody got to it. It bounced. Goalie didn't do anything about it, and it just went past him and into the back of the net. Um, Faraoni on an oopsie from Pisacane. Um, pure comedy on that goal. Um, to equalize things, um, Pizacane playing his way into the crap on a cracker team, which, you know, we usually find a Cali defender getting onto that team. We thought maybe with this team it wasn't going to happen, but, uh, you know, Pizacane might just end up on that team just for that one moment alone. That was, that was tragic, actually. <laughs> so, did you, did you see, did you see that? It was, and it was, uh, it was, uh, an oopsie if I've ever saw one. Uh, he's not going to be living that down for a while. Milan with a glorious win at the Artemio Franchi on an Alexandre Pato goal after being under constant pressure. Parma and Torino, it was 3-2 to Parma. Ah, fuck it. I'll, go, I'll talk about the <laughs> Milan game. All right. Um, Milan won Fiorentina 3. Um, Pulgar with a penalty after uh, Benacer had taken uh, uh, Chiesa down in the penalty area after uh Frank Ribery practically completely shredded uh, the Milan back line en route to uh, putting an attempt on uh, Donnarumma, who made a save. And let's just face it, without Donnarumma, Fiorentina probably scored six in this game. Uh, 1-0 it was then. Matteo Musacchio uh, didn't like uh, a certain situation, I think, with Ribery, retaliated, uh, got in late, uh, studs high, got the uh, shin, uh, initially got a yellow. They went to VAR. They gave him a red. Once they went to VAR, I knew he was screwed. Um, should have gotten a red in the first place. High and late, high and late in contact always equals a red. Um, so that put Milan in a bind and, uh, Castrovilli scoring in the 66th minute. He looks a player. Um, they get, Fiorentina would get another penalty that Chiesa would take and Donnarumma would save. Uh, and then Frank Ribery with a goal of the week candidate in the 78th minute after, uh, Rafael Leal with a nice little goal of himself as consolation for Milan in the 80th. Uh, and it wrapped up on Monday with Parma 3, Torino 2, Kuliszewski in the second minute. Uh, Christian Ansaldi equalizing in the 12th minute. Uh, there would be a Bremer second yellow equaling a red for Torino. On 10 men, Andrea Bellotti would make a penalty in the 43rd and just before halftime. Lots of space here for Kuliszewski. Verdi trying to track back. Slip through for Cornelius and Palmer equalised right on the stroke of half-time. In the third minute of added time, at the end of the first period, Cornelius on target. Peace, love and soul. Andreas Cornelius with a goal in the 45 plus three. Let's, I, I wonder how many of our listeners is going to understand that reference, Richard. Only the ones that are as old as us, Frank. Uh, you gotta love the uh, the Soul Train music and uh, Cornelius in particular. Glad he's back in the league. Uh, that's a goal of the week candidate for me. Let's hope Soul Train lets you use that sound. <laughs> they're not unless they're, so unless, unless, they're, unless they're run by Serie A. And then uh, your boy Roberto Inglese with the winner, a little tap in in the 88th minute, uh, giving Parma the 3-2 win. So 
Let's start at the top. I mean, it's it's as you were with some of these teams, Inter, Juve, Atalanta, Napoli, Roma, Lazio, all running out winners. Um, none of them really having a whole lot to sweat over. Roma, obviously, were challenged on the road at Lecce. Napoli, uh, you know, had to hold off Brescia. But overall, um, they're the top six teams in Serie A, and they are playing every bit like it right now. Yeah, and they, and they look like the top teams in the league. Every week they, they seem to perform uh, to their capabilities. And, you know, for the most part, they all had a pretty easy wins other than Roma. Roma really had the game control, like you said. Um, You know, really, you know, Genoa weren't going to pose Lazio a threat. Lazio weren't going to pose Roma a threat. Uh, Brescia, they would have made a little tight on Napoli because they did it against Juventus as well. And um, really the team that I was looking to see if they could do anything was Sassuolo because they tend to, when they score goals, they tend to score beautiful goals. Uh, in this case, though, they gave up beautiful goals. Um, Atalanta just uh, scoring goals and looking like they let out some anger against them, I guess, uh, over the you know, first couple games this, this year. So, yeah, it's a good result for the top six teams. Uh, they look very much as the top six, and uh, you know, there's no team really outside of that that I think right now is posing a threat to them at the moment. Um, let's start. Juventus, the champions, uh Dybala, Ronaldo, it works. Wouldn't you know? Yeah, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, everyone kept saying, oh, that's not going to work with those two. But, I mean, clearly they can find each other all game. Um, and then yeah, the beautiful assist by Dybala to Ronaldo. Ronaldo gave him all the props. I mean, after he scored a goal, he just kept pointing at Dybala. He's like, this is all Dybala. This is all Dybala. Um, Ronaldo had a really good game. He, sh- he probably should have had a couple more goals in the game. But um, yep. Barisha would just stood on his head against him. For some reason, he just had his number up until the until the goal in the 78th minute. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that partnership works, obviously, with Cuadrado and other guys, Cadiros. I mean, the whole team just seems to be functioning really well now. Now that Sadi's on the bench, um, on the field, it, it, they seem to be becoming into the Sari ball and, and playing really, really well. So it's good to see how – see how, I'm curious to see how it develops as the season, you know, moves forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was uh, – in the case of Berisha, eight saves uh, in this game. So Juve really could have ran out a lot, a, a, a lot bigger winners in this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, a clean sheet, uh, which is you know certainly going to be uh, a boost here for Bonucci and Delict as a partnership. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because really, these two we talked about it before. Both these defenders are very similar to each other. Uh, you need a, a hard nosed guy like like a Chiellini, and so. Um, you know the fact that he's out right now. Those two really need to step up and and feed off each other and try to and try to solidify the def- back line. And at the moment, you know they got a shutout. That's great. Uh, they need to build on this and continue forward as they get to uh, stiffer opponents. Uh, Delict will definitely settle him down. The player we saw in the, the, the one game against Napoli is not the player who he really is. And so once he gets this comfortable with the league, comfortable with the language, comfortable with his teammates like Bonucci. Um, I think he's going to be the, every bit of the player that we thought he was when uh, Juventus signed him. And Bonucci, he needs he needs a stabling influence now. He's got to be a leader, not just try to uh, be the playmaker. And I think uh, having a young guy like Delict at his side will be do do him wonders really. So um, yeah, good for these guys. Uh, it, it it Juve needs Juve needs the defense to calm down and and, and get back on track. Inter keeps rolling. Uh, they. Uh... Interestingly enough, I mean, Sampdoria had 20 shots in this game, only two on target. So when they got the ball, they were trying to create things. Um, so while it, it's been painfully tragic for Sampdoria fans in the early going, it looks like it's slowly starting to get better. Inter's just a level above them. Oh, yeah, definitely above them. Um, but they, it's, it's good to see the fight that Sampdoria had in this game. And to cut it back to 2-1, to one, um, the crowd is really into it at that point when Jankto scored and 
Uh, they actually had some hope that they could probably get back in this game, but you know, you, Inter is a little bit too strong for them. Um, they they're firing all cylinders at the moment. They're not even at their best, so uh, they're they're certainly a level or two above them at the moment. But Sampdoria, they they can build off of this. You know, they they did fairly well, 20 shots, like you said, and they just got to keep moving forward and, and try to get results uh, going forward. I mean, it's gonna be hard against the top six, but every other team, it should be. It should be a dogfight. It should at least make it don't make it easy like they have uh, some of these teams early on. All right, the weekly. Uh, go ahead with the uh, weekly gushing over Stefano Sensi. God, Sensi, he's such a special player. I mean, that goal. Yeah, it hit off of uh, uh, Alexis Sanchez's back, but I mean, it was all him. He took the shot right. It was, it was. He takes his opportunities. He's got vision. He can. He can score goals. He's just a special player. I mean, who cares? He's on on our rivals. I mean, he is a you gotta you gotta give praise where praise is due. And uh, since he is a special player, he's a, he looks like a lock for the Serie A sit down top eleven team. So, um, yeah, I mean, Inter are really gonna Inter are benefiting. Obviously, they have a great team, but Sensi is really the guy who's pulling the strings. He's everything that Conte is instructing them to do. He's kind of like being the quarterback on the field and making sure things happen. And you gotta love this, especially if you're an Inter fan. Uh, you got you guys got a, a fine a diamond in the rough. Really, I mean, we knew how good of a player he was, but now he's with a, a, a great cast around him. You really see how special he is. Yep, absolutely. Um, Atalanta, this is the Atalanta that we're uh, used to seeing. Just uh, an, an opponent that's inferior, and in the case of Sassuolo, a team that wants to attack themselves, and that's just a that's just an unfortunate formula when you're playing against an Atalanta side that have the the likes of Zapata and uh, Papa Gomez and Ilicic, uh, you know, going forward. If you want to go ahead and, and leave those spaces and expose your defenders, yeah, go ahead and yeah, go ahead and do it. It's entertaining for us. Yeah, Atalanta they thrive off teams that that attack them, right? Because they they can just hunker back and then counter against them. And you know, Papa Gomez, we talked about it for for years now how how special player he is. But you know, that three headed monster up there. Um, they they thrive on situations like this when teams you know you got to give it to Sassuolo for going at it but it's obviously the wrong game plan against Atalanta because they will eat you up and they proved it in this game with four goals and probably could have been a couple more so I mean an incredibly balanced game though I mean the yeah. possession was even the chances were even on target was even I mean all all the way around Sassuolo had more corners I mean this is a story of you know Atalanta will just punish you with their chances if you allow them and uh, and and that's what happened here they took their chances Sassuolo didn't. Uh, but boy, it's 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 pretty what to watch when Atalanta are on form like this. One hundred percent, they're definitely one of the best teams to to watch from a neutral standpoint when they're playing, uh, especially when they're firing on cylinders like this. Yep, uh, Napoli getting it done over Brescia. Um, I mean, they they dominated this one, seven on target, uh, had more of the possession. Brescia certainly is going to look dangerous on the counter. That's going to happen when you've got guys like Donnarumma and Balotelli up front. When you've got Tonali who can. Uh, you know, release them on the break uh, from his midfield position. So there's a lot of positives there. Um, so, uh, you know, Napoli probably have to be happy with the three points. First of all, I mean, you played a very pesky brush. You ask Juventus how pesky this team is. Exactly. Ask Milan how pesky this team is. Uh, so you get three points against a team that's just, from the looks of it, you know, they're going to survive. I don't think they're going to get relegated. And in the process, they're going to bother just about everybody they play. Would you would you dare say that they are Spal of last year? You know, very pesky. Uh, nothing that's gonna nothing's gonna win you over anything. But then you know, if they get hot, they're gonna they guess keep them in the league. I mean, they're they're a good squad. It just unfortunately they're playing some better teams, but already quality opponents. But now, but they're every game they're in it. So 
I think what makes them different from Spall is that they're more talented. And I think they want the ball. Um, and they yeah. want to, they want to be able to attack. Now, Spall's trying to do that a little bit themselves this season. Um, but, you know, these are, you know, when you talk about Tonali, when you talk about the forwards and, and some of the players that they have in their side, they want to be able to see if they can dictate possession. They're just going to run into some opponents like Napoli where that's just not going to happen. Um, so I don't know if I'd go so far to say that they're, they're the dentist chair team that we like to talk about. Um, you know, they are going to be, you know, their approach and the way they're going to go at people, they're going to, they're going to be troublesome. They're not going to be your typical promoted side that's just going to roll over and play dead. So, um, and they've got the talent to score goals and, and try to keep up with teams and make things competitive. So when anytime you've got guys like Balotelli and Donnarumma who are proven goal scorers in this league, you're going to give yourself a chance, uh, regardless of what style you want to play. And their games are Brescia when they're going to want the ball and they're going to dictate things. In this game, they seed possession and, and they look a little bit better going on the, going forward and going the other way. So I think, um, uh- Unlike you know you know um, Pescara in the past or even last year with Empoli, well those teams like to attack. Um, uh, Brescia have far more quality than they do. That's it. It seemed before, if, even if you exclude Balotelli, they still got more talent on this Brescia squad. So um, yeah, I mean I, I, I agree with everything you're saying right there. Sure. Okay, Lazio were, were absolutely fantastic and then just exposes a big problem with Geno is a big problem all of a sudden. I mean Andrea Zoli right now. Facing the sack from the Preziosi, stories are out that if Genoa can't beat Milan this weekend, that Andrea Tolli is getting the sack and Gattuso is replacing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been floated around now. Um, so, but, um, you know, Genoa, it's just, it's an issue here with defending. I mean, uh, they're playing a back three. You're playing Crescito as a center back who's more of a wing back. Um, you've got some players in here that have never played together. Romero is a good prospect. Um, but this, uh, El Yamik, I've never heard of before. Um, you're trying to, you know, Bereka, okay, that's a good position for him. Gilioni really struggled in this game. And then the mid, and then the midfield, you have Ivan Radovanovic, who's a, um, who's a Kievo refugee. Uh, but he was one of the problems at Kievo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you're sticking him in front of this back three. That's not really the kind of protection that you're looking for. Um, I mean, this comes down to when you take a look at the midfields in this game. Uh, here's Genoa's midfield. Radovanovic, Casata, and Lerer. Uh, here's uh, Lazio's midfield. Sergei, Lucas Leva, Luis Alberto. Uh, gee, I wonder who mm-hmm. you want. Tough call. <laughs> so, you know, you're – you're trying to you men against boys really and uh the score reflected it and when you looked at the the strength of this game i mean the midfield just absolutely dominated this game for lazio i was watching a pretty good chunk of this uh you know on sunday morning and just saw man they're just completely overrunning these guys um sergey looks like he's back in form um you know luis alberto really coming alive lucas leva is a very solid you know defensive central midfielder and he's the perfect guy to have you know to allow sergey and, and luis alberto to advance and link up with the forwards so um you know there, there's much more harmony there than what you have with the genoa midfield and that showed and you know four nil in a game that could have been about six or seven and you got to be happy with the resurgence of uh, sms and, and luis alberto uh, both those players, they had fantastic years two years ago, and then last year, both of them with a with a downward year. Yep. Uh, and they're both back now, and they're both scoring goals and setting up goals. Uh, it's great for Lazio fans for sure. A possession and a chance monopoly here for Roma. Although Paul Lopez was tested, 
uh, and made six saves uh, here for uh, for Roma. So I mean, Roma got Roma got out of there with three points, but uh, they didn't make it easy on themselves. And you know, I don't know how many one nil wins they're going to have this season with that defense. Yeah, and how often is Kolarov going to miss a penalty kick? Right. Um, at least they got a shutout in this one. <laughs> I mean, it's Lecce for yeah. sure. Uh, but they scored a goal. They got it. They got you know. Sometimes a team you can really uh, see what kind of team is made of when they got games like this where it's it's not as clear cut as it should be. It's very tight, and you find ways to win. Um, we talked about how many years for eight years now. Juve being resourceful at times when they need to be. It's not always gonna be pretty, but getting that W is important. And three points and and continuing up the, the upward trend uh, toward the top of the table is very important. And and games like this can come back to bite you if you don't get the results you need. So uh, good on Roma getting three points. Chris Mullings, uh, second start in City. Uh, uh, how do you think he's adapting to life so far, coming over from Man United? I think he's li- I think he's liking it really well so far. He did he did good stuff in this game. Um, obviously he was right there in the mix with the goal when Jekyll scored there. So uh, I think it's going to be great to have a, a, a tall defender uh, presence in the mid- in in the box at both ends. So um, I think he'll do well. Uh, obviously enough guys there who speak English, so he's not going to Italian's not going to be the problem. Right? You know he's adapting fine. Paulo Fonseca. Uh, he'll he'll get, he'll get small in in, in the right spots and, and set pieces, so he'll be good for them. Yep, yep, definitely agree with that. So, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, don't look now, but Udinese's twelfth. Yeah, yeah, they got a win against. But what's a what's a Bologna? This a double head scratcher because Bologna's continue to lose, and Udinese Udinese they they got a win and they're up in twelfth. Yeah, I mean uh, Bologna winless in their last three now. And that's Udinese, Genoa, and Roma. Um, Udinese now with a uh, you know with a win here over over uh, Bologna. Now the uh, the draw previous to that against Hellas Verona. So a couple of teams that you know maybe this Udinese team is not going to be that bad. Um, you know I think that the red card here for Bologna uh, maybe gave them a little bit of help and a little bit of relief, made their job a little bit easier yeah. because Bologna did dominate possession, did you know have an edge in the chances in this game, but, you know, Udinese took their chances going forward on the counter. Um, you know, Bologna is going to have to learn how to finish chances, and this is, again, another example, and I get that they played with just 10 men, but Federico Santander's the starter this time up front. You know, they've got great playmakers in that midfield. You've got Orsolini, Soriano, Sansoni. Soriano got sent off in this game. Um, but the strikers are not guys that I would exactly say uh, inject fear into anybody. And I think that that's what, uh, that's what ends up happening with these Bologna games when they end up getting on the wrong end of these results is because they're not getting the play from their strikers. For me, the guy is Palacio. If you've got three playmakers like that, well, he's gonna you, just need a, that. you just need a poacher. Yep. Okay? Um, you just need a poacher. Uh, you, you you don't need to really a hold-up guy because in the case of the hold-up guy, he's coming back a lot for the ball, and all he's doing is he's getting in the way of the creativity of all three of those guys. So, you know, for me, I I think Palacio needs to be starting more consistently for Bologna, and I think they'll start to see more positive results. I think the shuffling of that position is – starting to hurt them. I mean, we talked about this very early in this season, that this is going to be one of the inhibitors here for Bologna going forward. Yeah, it, it is, and, and they need to find, you know, if they're not going to play Palacio, so they can be do the poaching thing that he can do, uh, they need to find some ways to score, and it's got to be that midfield. they got to carry the load then. 
Um, really, if Bologna wants to succeed, those midfielders are going to have to pick up a good amount of those goals because with the strikers that you mentioned, they can only score so much. I mean, if they get 15 between the three of them, you'd be lucky. Um, those midfielders, as talented as they are, they need to pick up some goals to get this team going and maybe get some uh, odd-end goals from the defense. Yep, for sure. Um, Cagliari in seventh, uh, really uh, starting to uh, get things up and running here. Um, really should have been four straight victories had it not been for uh, the Pizzacane, uh slip-up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I mean, what a start for them. And, uh, you know, we talked about this in the in the preview. Uh, Solano, Nima were very high on Cagliari. It made me think about it and say, you know, with what they're bringing in, I, I'm, I'm going along with this. And um, But oddly enough, uh, you know, dropping points at home. Uh, but when you look at how Verona played, they controlled the ball in this game. They had to, they had their chances. So, you know, Pizzacani slip aside, this is one that could have gone Verona's way altogether in a win instead of, uh, you know, instead of the one one that ended up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I hate to I hate to give credit to this guy because he was so crap last year. But uh, Robin Olson, uh, big saves. Uh, I mean, four, really, sa- four saves again. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, I think you know. Cagliari would be tails between their legs because um, Verona were, were putting a good pressure on him, and he just made some big saves, like you said, four saves. And uh, who knew he'd have a resurgence with uh, with Cagliari? Everyone thought he was going to leave the league and never play again in, in a top level. But um, I think the move down to the island is uh, doing him well. And you know, again, you know, Verona, give him credit. They went on the road. They went to a tough place to play, and then they put a lot of pressure on on Cagliari. You know, so they gotta they gotta they gotta leave with their heads high. You know, yeah, they gotta draw, but you know, they play they were the better of the two teams, I think, in this game, and um, Galilee are lucky to get a point. <sighs> okay, uh, do you have your drink ready? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> all right, but um, I, first of all, Fiorentina were wonderful. I mean, they were absolutely How wonderful. How good are Chiesa and Ribery together? That is a dynamic attack. You don't need a hold up striker and they're no. proving that so you know good for them in that vein um Ribery, i said it on twitter i said a 36 year old man is performing footballing castration on milan's defense tonight oh, he embarrassed so on the penalty. i mean j- yeah just ran riot on them and uh you know looks like he could play at at that at that pace and with what he has to give and his energy levels and fitness he could play for two or three more years oh my goodness yeah and if he played milan every time he'd be getting goal scoring i mean crazy numbers <laughs> i mean it, they, they controlled it from start to finish and i think what flies under the way we talk about gaetano castrovilli what a player he's turning into yes yes um I, you know but i think the the guy that's flying under the radar in all of the conversation and all of this milan bedell was spectacular i mean there's a there's part part of the reason why milan really couldn't get anything going forward milan bedell broke a whole bunch of things up yeah you didn't hear his name too too often in the game in in the sense of defense cuz he was doing his job he was shutting down the opposition um, this Milan couldn't do anything, and, and a part of them is their ineptitude. But you, you got to give credit to Milan Bidet. Uh, he he was so good in this game, and uh, Fiorentina's midfield is very strong with him there. And um, overall, the, the team is just uh, they're flying at the moment. And yeah, you got to love what you know um, he brings to the table. And, and then obviously up top with Chiesa and and Ribery, they're just playing very very well together, like they've been playing for years. And it's a uh, it's great learning. It's a great, great mentor to have. Ribery is for Chiesa. 
Uh, you know, a guy who's been around the block, who, who, who's been at the top level, and he can, you know, give him some pointers and try to score some goals now. That's the only thing missing from his game. Yeah, indeed. So just Fiorentina looked great all of a sudden. Uh, two wins on the bounce now. Uh, I mean, they, they're in a trajectory, and then they beat Sampdoria and Milan here, uh, you know, in that process, and it looks like uh, they're set to do a whole lot of damage to a lot of teams, especially that tandem of Ribri and Chiesa going forward. I mean, Milan's problems are clearly well documented here. Um, I mean, we can talk about this for another hour if we wanted to. Um, I'm just going to say a couple of quick things that, you know, that, that all of Milan Twitter is saying. It's time to move on from Suzo. His game has been found out by just about everybody. Yeah. It's time to move on from Hakan Chalhanolu, especially in the position that you're trying to play him in. Um, but, you know, move on from them. Uh, and then I'll give you another hot take. Milan paid all that money in January for a guy who was just in good form in Christoph Piontek. I don't think they paid for class here. Um and it's becoming more and more apparent because and, and this is a conversation I was having with Martino Puccio on on Twitter going back and forth and I said ever since he joined Milan and started scoring goals for Milan he's been getting double marked and regardless of who's playing around him or what crap is going on around him he's not problem solving his way out of that he's not getting himself in positions where he can create his own chances great strikers can create their own chances I don't see Piontek going and getting in positions where he can create his own chances and he's he's struggling to get out of the double marking. He's getting frustrated. And one of the things he's got to do is blame himself. As he let's remember, he's very young. Yes. You got to be able to figure out how to manage yourself in those situations. You can't just sit there and say, "I'm being double marked. I'm not getting service. So I'm just going to stand here and be frustrated." You know, you can't do that. You've got to start. I mean, when when those things are happening, you've got to be able to work even harder. Start making. If you're going to get double marked. Make runs to take those two defenders away and open up somebody else to be able to come through. Okay. Yep. Con- contribute without scoring goals. He does. And then, fi- and, and then finally, the last thing. These, so these are, Suzo and Chalinolo need the toys taken away from him. Piantec might be a flash in the pan, and Milan spent that money on form. And finally, Rafael Leao is a baller and should play every minute he, poss- he can possibly play. I was just going to say, you know, everything that you said about Piontek, I say he has to look no further than, than Leao. Leao creates his own opportunities. He makes these runs. He, You saw that goal. He has a beautiful goal that he went through like four guys. So um, if you're double marked, just find a way. That's what a good striker does, and Leao is doing it at the moment. He's one of the bright spots in Milan in the game between him. I, I'm going to give Teo Hernandez a little break. I think he was pretty good, and, and obviously Donnarumma were making a million saves in this game. So that's about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not for Donnarumma. This is six to one. And I'm trying uh, to figure out who had a worse game: Hakan Chalonolu with the terrible giveaways, Benasser with the two freaking penalties gave up, or um, Musacchio with the stupid red card. I oh, Musacchio, Musacchio. I was just flat out dumb. Um, I mean, if, up until that moment, it was Chalonolu. I'm a Chalonolu apologist, and I I am done with him now too. I mean, I watched the game. There's terrible turnovers. But obviously, the first one led to a goal. Second one, I think, also led to a goal. I mean, it just terrible turnovers he had in the game, and and Ben Asseri, he just been he's got to think better when he's in the box. But Chalnolo played a lot worse than he did, and uh, like you said, the position that he's been playing in now, he I'm done with him. Then and, you know, Krunic, I, I'm glad he came in, in the game, but it's not enough. I mean, he needs to start from the beginning. Yep. Um, now I went on Twitter last week 
uh, and gave everybody five players that um, I'm paying attention to that maybe you're not is kind of what I called it. And I listed my five players, and there's a player that I left off um, that all of a sudden, you know, after how he performed today, uh, I kind of wishing that I didn't leave him off. And this is this young Swede for Parma, Dejan Kulishevsky. Yeah. Parma found a, Parma found a gem here. Oh, he is such a good player. I mean, he 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 seems to link up so well with uh, Gervinho in this in this, this game in particular. Um, had lots of opportunities, both goal scoring and assisting. Uh, he is a, a a special find by by Parma. Good on them because. Maybe he is what they need to help uh, propel that offense and, and to get more goals because they certainly look lively today. I mean, the the, uh, the the goal was kind of a look what I found. Gervinho was trying to create a chance. Trying to, I think that was Gervinho trying to score and just didn't get enough on it and it fell to him. But the assist for Cornelius was really nice. Yes, it was. Um, I mean, it was just surgical and was just you know what he's capable of offering you. So... Um, you know, so those are the things that I that I point to when I take a look at uh, what Kulishevsky has to offer, and uh, I'm getting more important. I'm getting more and more impressed with his game. You know, as for Torino, um, you know, what do we get with this team? I mean, is this just hey, bad break, red card, down to ten, and finally Parma overwhelmed them, or is this just going to be this crazy inconsistent team we're going to have to deal with all season? Yeah, it's, it almost seems like with Balotelli scoring again that they're relying on him again. Uh, obviously, he had two great goals in the midweek, and then uh, he scored a penalty in this one. But um, th- we know this team could play so much better. They have a they could they can have a stout defense. They can have a really good offensive team, but they're very unreliable and, and inconsistent, like you said. And um, you never know what you're going to get with them. They're almost like you know we always talk about we joke about Lazio being this way, but they're very much in this vein this year. Torino is and. You know, as part of that, Mazzari's in, in his you know second and third years, he, he just uh, seems to lose the team a little bit, and they just lose the plot. They need to figure it out and be more consistent because this team has the potential to be a top six team. It just they're lacking consistency, and that's what's hurting them right now. For sure, for sure. Um, what a crazy week! Thirty more goals, Richard. Yeah. Um, just getting more and more entertaining. Uh, your uh, your your five goals of the week here. Ooh. It was hard to pick a, a good one, uh, uh, my favorite. Um, these are my top five in no particular order. Um, I'm going to go with Leal with his his, his beautiful run in the, in the Fiorentina matchup. Uh, i got to give it to Ribéry uh, with the assist from Chiesa. Really, Ribéry was probably man of the match for me. Um, Cornelius, I'm going to throw Cornelius in there. He's back in the league. He scored a beautiful goal, great assist by Kulishevsky. Uh, Mirlan Pjanic, his volley was a great strike there. And I think probably number one for me is Papu Gomez's solo run. His first of the two goals in the game, so that's my top five there. Okay. All good goals. All good goals. No no problem. No fight with any of them. Um, I am going to go with um, I'm going to go with Leao's goal at number five as well. Small consolation for Milan on what was an overall pathetic performance. Um, I'm going to go with um, in at number four. You can tell I haven't written this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at number four, I'm going to go with Sergei Milinkovic Savic's goal uh, for Lazio against Genoa. In at number three, uh, I am going to go ahead and go with Ribery's goal for Fiorentina against Milan. Number two, uh, Papu Gomez's first goal. And uh, I, I think Pjanic scored the goal of the week, the first goal scored of mm-hmm. the uh, match week, and I think it was the best goal, and it stood up the whole week. Yeah. Uh, not like last week where one game was out doing another, you know, <laughs> consistently. I think Pjanic, is, Pjanic had the best goal of the week, and it just stuck. So for me, Maryland Pjanic goal of the week. 
Yeah, I, I'm not gonna fight you there. There's good goals, all good goals. Winner for me. Um, I mean Frank Ribery. Uh, yeah. I mean, 36 years old, absolutely shredding a defense that had a very good reputation for being stingy until these last few games. Uh, being substituted and walking off to a standing ovation from the San Siro faithful, which was extremely classy, uh, you know, from the Milan support. Uh, you know, so a clear winner for me and the losers, obviously Milan. Um, you know, no ideas of, of, of what's going on out there, no ideas of what they're doing. Uh, clearly looking out of their depth right now. Um, you know, Genoa, uh, Sassuolo, uh, and, um, you know, those, those, those teams, uh, Pisacana, they all ought to be very, very appreciative that Milan played on Sunday <laughs> and played the way they did. Uh, my winners and losers. Uh, my winner this week is a guy you just mentioned not too long ago, uh, Kulashevsky. Great, great game he had, you know, goal and assist. Um, overall played really well. He looks like he's a gem for Parma. And I'm going to stick with that game with the loser. I'm going to go with Torino. Uh, the inconsistency that we talked about, you know, this is a team that really should be an, an upper echelon team with the talent that they have. And we've seen glimpses of it in the past, but they, the, the inconsistency is marring them. And, you know, with with a team like this, they're not going to get any kind of European spots with the way they're playing. So they need to do much, much better because now they got Balotti scoring again. You would think that the, the team should have a better chance of, you know, getting to Europa League or even Champions League. And at the moment, they're just, they can't bring it in every game. So for sure, for sure. Um, all good ideas here, man. Uh, your winners and losers go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, do you agree with our goals of the week? If not, tell us otherwise. At uh, Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And now let's get into our preview of Europe. All right, match day two of the UEFA Champions League, uh, getting ready to take place, and it's going to take place on Tuesday. Uh, with uh, Atalanta hosting Shakhtar Donetsk and uh, Juventus hosting Bayer Leverkusen. And then on uh, Wednesday, Napoli travel to Henk and Inter travel to Barcelona. Um, let's start with Atalanta, Richard. Uh, certainly caught with their pants down uh, against uh, Dinamo Zagreb in Croatia, losing 4-0. I don't think that that really kills your chances of qualifying out of this group because I still think they can do it. I think Gasparini, the hope is here that Gasparini took a really hard look at his tactics uh, and fundamentally uh, a midfield of Deron, Freuler, uh, and Pasolich, for example, a three-man center midfield is vital here, and I am uh, stealing from Adam Digby's take um, who had said, just after that game that Gasparini learned the hard way, uh, you can't play a two-man midfield in Europe. Yeah, 100%. You need to have uh, you need to load up that midfield, and you look for Muriel to start in this one. Um, I, you know, that one loss, as bad as it was, is not going to kill them. You know, they could really win out and be fine, completely fine. Um, I mean, really, realistically, they could probably lose this game in it, but this is their best chance. I mean, Shakhtar had a bad performance in their first game as well. Um, and so they really need to get a good performance here if they want to look to move on for, out of the group stage. Um, the other two, other two opponents in the, in the group, they they both obviously got wins, and so uh, you need to play catch up at this point, and you need to you need to make a um, a resounding uh, impression in the group within the group right now with a win. Uh, anything less, really, you're looking at you know 
maybe trying to get to Europa League <laughs> or something like that, but um, they cannot afford a loss, a loss, and just kiss kiss uh, Champions League goodbye. Yeah, I, uh, some under the radar uh, talent here at Shakhtar: Tyson, Marlos, um, Alan Patrick, Junior Mariah scoring the goals. Uh, Ismaili is a very talented left back going forward for them. Um, Andre Piatov's a decent goalkeeper, but I think Atalanta can get to him. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I'd like to see a three-man midfield here from uh, Atalanta, at least in the center of the park, uh, and then playing just one of Gomez or Ilicic, not both, uh, you know, in a partnership with Duvan Zapata. Hopefully that's what Gasparini's going with. I think Atalanta, if they do that, I expect that they're going to do that. I expect that to be the adjustment. We'll have to see what happens, and if it does, I, I go for Atalanta to win this 2-1. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good scoreline. I'll go with that. Uh, I think they're going to rebound from uh, the, their their collapse in the first game. And yeah, I, I I like that. I like the result a lot. Juve hosting Bayer Leverkusen. Leverkusen, a team you're very familiar with from your following of Schalke. Fear. Um, it is a Juve that uh, went to the Wanda Metropolitano, had three points in the bag, and let it get away. Uh, after being two nil up, it ended up with a two two draw. Um, the defense is going to be somewhat, at least the fullbacks are going to be somewhat patchwork again. Alexandro will be back, uh, but Juan Cuadrado is going to have to play as a right fullback. Um, but uh, a guy that uh, I want you to talk about from your understanding of the German Bundesliga, I think uh, for me, public enemy number one for Juve is going to be Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz is a special player. Um, he's obviously going to be on the on the German national team for many years. Um this kid has got he's got all the tools that you would need for for an attacker. I mean he he can pass the ball. He's got great vision and he can certainly score audacious goals as well. He's he's done many of those for for Leverkusen. So um, Leverkusen are a inconsistent bunch, but but they can attack when they're when they're on their game. They can attack and so Juve's really, defense is really going to be pushed in this one if Leverkusen are on their game and Kai Havertz is going to be the one pulling the strings for all that. So really they need to lock him up and um, if they can you know. Put a guy on him, whether it's you know Akadir or Blasma Tawidi or whomever. Um, that's a guy you want to really focus on because if, if he's on his game, it's going to be trouble for for Juve. Not not that Juve can't handle it, but he is the, he is their playmaker and, and and he's a special guy. So um, that's the guy who you really really want to watch this one. I mean, other players to uh, to look forward to watching. Kevin Volland's a solid player. Charles Allen Guise is a uh, a regular in the Chilean national team setup. Um, you know, taking a look at uh, you know some of these other ones, Sven Bender and Lars Bender are in the back line here for Leverkusen, or at least projected in the starting lineup. Yeah, and they started off as defensive midfielders, so uh, kind of curious there. Wendell's a, a solid, a solid enough left back. Uh, the question here for Juve: Do they continue with Ronaldo and Dybala in the partnership, or is this where Iguain enters the fray? Um, I think it's going to be the latter. Uh, I think that. Uh, Saudi is going to want to call on that goal-scoring experience, despite the fact that Dybala is capable of perhaps doing it in this setting. Nonetheless, I expect three points from the old lady. Um, I think that they're going to do this in a resourceful way. They're going to go back. It's going to be Saudi ball with a little blend of uh, you know the, the Allegri way of doing things and being resourceful. I'm going to go 2-0 to Juve. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not a bad score. I think Juve should get the three points in this one. Um, you know, it depends on what kind of mood Leverkusen is. I'm going to give them 2-1 just to say, assume they're going to be somewhat on their game, but obviously Juve at home are, are quite potent. So, yeah, I like the win. Yep. 
All right. Now, uh, Wednesday's matchups, we have uh, Napoli traveling to Hank. This is nice. You want to know what? The, the UEFA did us a favor, man, because I'll tell you what. Tuesday, they've got, a, you know, 12.55 East for the uh, Atalanta game, 3 East for the Juve game. Wednesday, they've got 12.55 East for the Napoli game, 3 East for the Inter game. Sorted. You can watch every Serie A team in the Champions League over the next two days. It's going to be going to be brilliant. Yes. I'm not getting any work done. <laughs> So I'll have to see if I still have a job after Wednesday. Um, so Hank coming off of just getting absolutely blasted by Salzburg, who's scoring goals for fun against everybody. With the way Napoli play and with the way they attack, they've just got to be licking their chops at the prospect of playing this team. Oh, 100%. And, uh, and we don't know what lineup Ancelotti is going to go with, but you gotta you got to think they're licking their chops in this one and seeing what Salzburg did to, to the gank. Um, even if they're on the road, they should be able to play the, play their style, um, dominate the possession and get some goals in there. You know, I look for Napoli probably put three up in this one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three nothing with a win. I agree with that. Here's the projected lineup for Napoli. It looks like Ancelotti's four, four, two, Merritt and goal, Di Lorenzo, Manolas, Koulibaly, Mero Rui, uh, and then four across the midfield, Insigne, Fabian Ruiz, Alan, Jose Callejon, with uh, Lotano and Milik in attack. Now, I think this shape's just slightly different. I think that when they're defending, Alan and Fabian Ruiz are going to protect the back four, and you're going to probably see Lotano maybe sliding out of his forward role and tucking in, you know, maybe in between those two midfielders and Milik um, with, with Calion and Insigne maybe tracking back at least a little bit. Um, that's the way I would see maybe how they shape defensively when they don't have the ball. Uh, but when they have the ball, Lothano's going to be asked to charge forward and, and have the space available for Ruiz to be able to have come forward, Calihon, Insigne, and so forth. So, and I think if they do that, I mean, I, however they do it, I agree with you. It's three three nil to Napoli. Um, I expect them to get three points. I expect them to uh, end match day two being on top of their group over over Liverpool, who I think will beat our beat Salzburg as as fun as as fun as Salzburg is to uh, to watch. So. Um, so that's that. And then finally, at the new Camp, Inter travel to Barcelona. Uh, it does not look like Messi is back in time. Uh, I think he suffered a groin injury in, 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 in a league match last weekend. Um, not this past weekend, but the one before. Uh, it does not appear that they project him to start in this game. Uh, who knows if he comes in off the bench or how that's going to look, but Everybody's got a point in this group, um, which makes it very interesting. The other match is going to be Dortmund traveling to Slavia Prague. Um, Inter at Barcelona, size up their prospects, probably without Messi. You know, you expect uh, Barcelona to hog the possession as they usually always do, but that kind of fits perfectly into Conte's system. He likes to play counterattacking. And I think, you know, we saw Dortmund got good good success um, against Barcelona, even though the scoreline was 0-0 in that game. They were able to get 13 shots off, four on target. I'm going to think that, you know, with, with the form sense he's in right now and, and Lukaku's getting goals and, and, and Lautaro is, is is nipping at the heels right there trying to get some goals. I think, you know, de- de- depends on who the lineup is. It really doesn't matter for, for Conte. I think what they're gonna the game plan is going to be is sit back, play the counter, which is perfectly what Conte wants, um, and... I would not be surprised if Inter escape with a like a one nothing win or or a two one win. Um, you know, though Barcelona is very very talented, even without Messi, 
um, you gotta like Conte in these kind of situations, especially when he gets to play a counterattacking system. He doesn't have to worry about because you know he knows the other team has is gonna hog the possession. So this is sits sits up perfectly for his wheelhouse. So I'm gonna go with a with a, with a shock one nothing win. I'm gonna go two one Inter. There's still Antoine Griezmann. There's still Luis Suarez. This is true. Um, you know, there's still you know a, a solid enough midfield. Arthur Busquets and Frankie De Jong. How much of that to neutralize the likes of Sensi is going to be interesting, and and how Conte approaches this game is going to be interesting. I think Barcelona is going to have around 60% of the possession in this game, and I think Inter are going to try to live and die by the counter. Yeah, there's no question about that. I don't know if Inter go and win this game. Um, I'm still concerned about Conte's performances in Europe overall with club teams, um, and his track record. Yeah, last um, game wasn't pretty by them. Yeah, and they, but they still found a way to rescue a point, which is important. I think it's a 1-1 draw, and I don't think either team's going to be particularly bothered by it, and they're going to figure out how to get their other points to try to get through the group. So um, so I'll go with that. Um, so 1-1 for me. You think Inter are going to pull the shock? Indeed. Okay. So, All right, so we're in agreement that Atalanta, Juventus, and Napoli are all going to win. You think Inter are going to win. I think they're going to draw. So we're expecting a very... Very successful week for Serie A in the Champions League. Are we going to have a successful week in the Europa League? Roma are going to travel to Wolfsburg, and that is Wolfsburg from Austria. Uh, and we have um, Ro- or Lazio playing host to Stad Rene and a old friend in Mbain Yang who's very familiar with Serie A opposition, uh, you know, coming back to the peninsula. So, uh, let's start with the Rome game. They were got off to the ideal start in beating Istanbul Basaksa here 4-0. Nicola Zaniola was just all over the place in this game uh, in that win. And now uh, they travel to the Austrians to take on uh, Wolfsburg um, at the Stadion Graz Libanau. Um, Roma will rotate a little bit here, but... How do you think Fonseca is going to approach this? Because he's got three points in the bag with three goals scored, none against, you know, from the first game. Do you anticipate maybe that he looks at this and say, you know, maybe we want to um, rotate this just a little bit and we can maybe get away and a draw is not really going to hurt us? Because remember, when you go to Europa League, it's just either finish first or second. You're not going to concern yourself with trying to win uh, to win the group. It's not going to really do you a favor as far as the seeding process or how the draw goes for the next knockout round. Yeah, yeah that, that could be very well the, the point. And I, if, I, you know, if I was in a situation, I'd probably want to rotate. But I would think, you know, considering that um, Wolfsburg uh, had a nice win, 4 nothing against Gladbach in the first game, maybe Paul Fonseca is looking at this as, you know, hey, we want to win the group and, we just want to get, uh, we want to prove that we are the, you know, the better team. We want to, we're in this for the long haul and maybe they want to make a statement and play some of their main starters in this one. I, that's what I'm, I'm curious to see what the lineup's going to be because that'll tell what, what Fonseca's mentality is going to be going towards this game. I think he's going to try to, he's going to see that, that previous score line by Wolfsburg and he's going to try to go for it. Yeah. I, I I'm going to go for a 2-1 win here for Roma. You know, he'll put out a lineup that gets it done, that gets the three points. It's not going to be as dominant as it was against the Turks. Right. Uh, but right. I think that he goes and he gets three points, and, and I don't think they're going to be bothered about how they get it. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I, li- I like that. Um, I think uh, I think Roma should win a tight one, but 2-1, uh, yeah, uh, I'm good with that. I like the scoreline. 
Okay. Uh, Lazio hosting Stade Rene. Um, interesting uh, game here. Rene, Stade Rene, uh, first of all, not going to be afraid of playing anybody. They like they've got a way they want to go about their business. They like to attack people. Um, you know, so there's that to deal with. You know, looking at their performances right now in Ligue 1, uh, right now they sit eighth. Okay, um, averaging a goal a game. You know, nothing really exciting there. Uh, but in the Europa League, uh, they got off to a draw against Celtic in kind of a really crazy game. Uh, but they're going to continue to play the way they play. That said, I can't see anything other than a, a win here for Lazio. The way they are running right now, um, the way they played here against Genoa, uh, and I, you know, I get that they ran into some trouble here, drawing Roma, losing to Spal, losing to Cluj. But I think that this is a get-right game for Lazio at home against the French side, and I think that they go ahead and get this done. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope that, let's hope they take this game seriously. I mean, obviously, Niang's gotten off to a good start in this season so far. He's got four goals in all competitions and uh, three in the league. So, uh, you know, if he starts this game, you know, that's a guy that you really want to focus on as, as their goal scorer. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think Lazio is going to be um, – Riding the riding the high that they're on right now, and and they're playing so well as you mentioned. I I, I like a I like a two one victory by them in this one. You know I don't know if they're going to keep a clean sheet, but uh, I think they're going to be able to get to all three points. Yep, for sure. So we'll see. So we're predicting uh, we're predicting a very good week for Serie A across the board in Europe, whether it's Champions League or Europa League. What does everybody else think? Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, before we close this up, we're going to finish with a preview of Derby d'Italia. Inter v. Juventus is now first versus second. It is the spectacle. It is taking place on Sunday, October 6th, 2.45 Eastern Time. Um, we're all looking forward to this one, Richard, aren't we? Oh, this is going to be a, this is gonna be a tasty encounter. It's obviously Conte against Sadi. It's obviously the, the talent that Inter has this season. The We will see what kind of team they have. Are they are they going to be true uh, contenders for the, for the Scudetto this year? They need to win against Juventus, right? They beat these little minnows so far this year, including Milan. Um, they gotta, they gotta bring it against this big team, Juventus. You know, we'll see. They gotta play Barcelona this weekend, or this, this midweek, but I think the main focus is gonna be Juventus and put on a good performance there. I mean, this game probably has the makings of a draw, but you know, if, if, if Inter get a win in this one, they're, they're, they're probably gonna be, um, front runners for the Scudetto or at least in the hunt with, with, you know, with Napoli and Juventus. Because um, you can never count Juventus out no matter what, but uh, this is this is gonna be a make or not, not a make or break, but it's a a, a good uh, insight into see what kind of uh, team Inter has at the moment. Obviously, when the season goes on and when they meet later on in the year at the J, um, it'll be you know we'll really know what these teams are about. But at the moment, you know, right now, Juve Inter with this hot start. Let's see what they do against a, a real team like Juventus. Uh, I'm everyone is gonna be watching this. I know for sure I am. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be appointment television for sure. Um, let's ask this, okay? Inter win because Inter win because their midfield goes wild. Um, they got a great midfield, Barella, Sensi, and, and Brozovic. If they control that midfield, um, they're going to win the game because that means they got more more of the possession and, and creating more opportunities. 
Um, so I think if that, that, that trio, the triumvirate in the middle there, if they, uh, if they boss that game, if they're having a heck of a game, that means that Inter are probably gonna, on the verge of winning or have a potential of winning. Right. Um, Juventus win because? Juventus win because, because they have Ronaldo, right? Big game player. He shows up and scores a goal. It's easy for them. They, they need to, obviously, the back line will have to play stellar. That, that's, that's for sure. That's for certain. You know, Bonucci and Delict are really going to be, you know, put to the test in this one. But I think, um, they have Ronaldo. They got a big name player there. He, he, he loves and thrives on these situations and he plays his best against the best opponents. So, um, Juve win because, you know, Ronaldo is Ronaldo and then their back line show up. Okay. Uh, for me, Inter win because, if Juve starts Sammy Kadira, there's no way in hell he keeps up with Stefano Sensi at the rate Sensi's playing. Hmm. Um, and Sensi's going to be able to boss this game. Uh, if Juve win, it's because Sari approaches this game as if go and press Inter and go and try and win balls in their third of the pitch and create some problems. Um, I mean, we talked about this last weekend. Slavia why Milan didn't do it and why Slavia Prague did it. Slavia Prague created some issues for Inter going forward. This is why I don't think Inter's going to win at the new camp because Barcelona's not going to change the way they play because Messi's not there. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so if Sarri brings out a pressing game for Juventus at Inter, um, I think that that is going to create some issues here for the Nerazzurri. Uh, they haven't shown me that they can play against teams that, that get after them a little bit. And only one team has really tried to do that so far. Everybody else has respected them. And that has allowed Sensi to come into the game. If you press them, you stand a good chance of taking Sensi out of the things that he's been comfortable doing so far. That's the small sample size that we have. Maybe Conte will make some adjustments uh, and prepare for that. Um, that's going to be the other dynamic that goes with it. Um, I think that this ends up, and I'm going to, I'm going to chicken out of this. I think this is a draw. Uh, I think this is a 1-1 draw that neither team is going to be bothered by, um, and they'll both remain the only unbeatens in Serie A. Hmm. I like that, uh, except for the draw part. Come on, you can make a pick, man? Come on. <laughs> I, chicken, I chickened out. I'm not picking a winner. Yeah, no. Um, you know, obviously, Inter's defense is going to be special, I think, at the end season, and, and they're already showing glimpses so far, but, you know, I... If Sari does do the, you know, does the Slavia Prague thing and, and press them and make it uneasy for them, it could be, it could be a, a open, more open game than people think. Um, I'm gonna go two-two. I don't, I don't, I don't see a winner in this game. It's gonna be a draw, I think. Has draw written all over it, but uh, hopefully we see some goals. I'm gonna go two-two. You think, you think Inter will concede two goals against Juve? Yeah, yeah. I think if if Juve can press them and get them to turn over the ball and and. They're gonna have opportunities. I mean, you got Ronaldo there. He's he 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 can score against anybody. He's played Godin. He knows Godin very well. He know you know. While that defense is really good, really good, um, I think Juve can find ways to to score. They're they're Juve. Juve find ways. Yep. Yep. We'll see. Well, we'll see about that. I just the we'll way see, Inter yeah. have defended, they 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 don't give you a whole lot. And I really love what Handanovic has been doing early on in the season as a goalkeeper too. He's been he's he's been outstanding. So. Yeah. So we'll see. We both think it's going to be a draw. What do you think? Uh, go to at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And that's going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A Sit Down. Who said we can't do this in an hour? Yeah, uh, look out. Yeah, time for a shameless plug, Richard. 
Yeah, um, as always, you can find me at on Twitter, Instagram, at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And then, uh, as always, you can find us on the YouTube, uh, doing either top five or some kind of uh, analysis video. So, yeah, look out for, look out for there. Excellent. I'm at FTC underscore 21. City I sit down at Instagram, uh, at City I sit down uh, on Twitter, at City I sit down on Instagram. Uh, we have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. Please subscribe, drop likes, whatever they uh, allow you to do to make us look good. Please do it. Um, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, just about any format that plays podcasts, you can find us. So please check us out there. Um, next week, we will have the uh, Derby d'Italia recap along with uh, everything that goes on in Match Week 7. We're going to have our good friend Rocco Fasano uh, joining us to break that down from a Juventus perspective. Um, and from an overall Serie A perspective as well, we'll be looking forward to having Rocco back. I believe it'll be his fourth cap, Richard, isn't it? Uh, yes, I believe you're right. Number four. Okay. Number four for him. He's climbing up. So um, so we're looking forward to having Rocco back on next weekend. Um, and then, uh, as Richard mentioned, go to Serie A, sit down on YouTube, subscribe, drop likes on the videos that you see there. Great stuff that Richard's putting out. Uh, and uh, we look forward to coming back. Enjoy the Champions League and Europa League games this week. Enjoy the Derby d'Italia. We'll be back next week to talk about it. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, make sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao.